Hey everybody, welcome to a special edition of Dead and Married. If you're listening to this right now, that means you have sent in all your box tops with the appropriate postage <laughs> in order to receive this. And hopefully you got your decoder ring, and if not, that's Ashley's fault. <laughs> so yeah, welcome to Pillow Talk, baby. So when you call it Pillow Talk, I'm just going to assume that you're pulling that from Army of Darkness. Yeah, of course. Where else would I get it? Because that'll make me feel a little bit better. <laughs> well, Bruce Campbell's at it first, then. Did I just say Bruce? <laughs> Bruce. Bruce Campbell. My name is Bruce. <laughs> but guys, we are excited. This is uh, it's our first time, obviously, and we'll be doing this monthly. And we realize we don't have a patron set up yet or Patreon account, but it's uh, once we get there, you know, we would love and encourage you guys to ask us your own questions and different topics, or we can just sit here and bullshit. So either way, we got a few questions today and thought we might give you guys some background. So Well, we gave our, our children the option to ask us three <laughs> movie-related questions, and then we would answer them We don't have patrons yet. <laughs> Huh? We don't have patrons yet. Did I say patrons? <laughs> I thought I said children. <laughs> yeah. Our kids asked us. Yeah. Which technically, we're their patrons. That's true. Because we pay for all their crap. <laughs> That's true. So, but uh, we want to give you guys a little bit of background on us right before we get into these questions, because our children picked some good ones, and they're a little lengthy, so we'll just jump right into it then. We're not going to get too much into our personal history. We'll save that for another time, I guess. But uh, all you need to know about us right now is Travis and I met in in school. We went to school together and we've been married for 17 years, been together 20. And I have an extensive background in horror and Travis does not. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> we both come from religious backgrounds and mine was a little bit more lax, I will say, than Travis's. So he really wasn't exposed to that kind of stuff, right? No, we really didn't. It was, we didn't watch horror movies. We watched action movies. And I, honestly, as an adult, now that I've watched some of the movie, the horror movies that came out around the same time, if you look at the, the level of blood and guts in some of those, some of the action movies we watched were actually worse. You would think. I mean, if you look at the amount of blood and guts in like, well, in Predator. Yeah. Versus the first Halloween. The first Halloween was off the books. You cannot watch that. That's a terrible movie. Mm -hmm. There's very little blood in the first Halloween. Right. But Predator, there's people getting their arms <laughs> shot off. Did you watch Predator as a kid, though? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. We didn't go to the movies to see it or anything like that, but it was one of those that we watched it when it came on TV. So a lot of the stuff was edited out, but still, if you take the TV version of Predator, it's still probably got more blood in it than the theatrical version of Halloween. But Halloween has boobies. <laughs> it's got, what, one shot? Yeah. But still, I don't know. <laughs> but didn't, I think I remember you telling me, though, didn't you see Silence of the Lambs when you were a kid? So they rented it. Uh -huh. They rented the movie. I think they just saw Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. And I, I maybe they just didn't know what, what that movie was going to be. But they thought with those two actors in it, it would be good. And I'm not saying that it was a bad movie, but I think that was the first one that I watched part of it because it scared me to death. <laughs> that movie gave me nightmares. <laughs> but I think that might be the first one, first horror movie I actually, actually saw or saw part of it. I don't think I saw that till I was already an, an adult, but I... Really, I have vivid memories of kids on the school bus telling me all about, quote, Hannibal Cannibal. So, and just to see like different production stills on, you know, social, not social media, in pop culture, you know, you'd see that mask on his face. So I think everybody was terrified of him as a kid, regardless of whether they'd seen the movie or not. 
Yeah. It you know I don't think I still haven't seen that movie all the way through. I don't know that I've ever watched that thing. And as a as a kid it would be because it scared me to death. Yeah. But as an adult I think it's just cuz I'm not interested. I mean, if I want to see <laughs> You'd rather watch if, Buffalo if I want to Bob hear somebody talk Dirt. about it, it puts the lotion on its skin, I'll watch Joe Dirt because it's funny. Um, and if I need to see the dance, I'll watch Jay do it in front of movies <laughs> on Clerks 2. I just, I don't feel oh. like I'm missing anything by having not ever watched that movie from front to back. I didn't realize until you had it on the other day, like how fucking problematic that movie is. <laughs> like it's, it's got some shit in it. <laughs> for sure. You know what the cool thing is? <laughs> Kevin Smith doesn't care if you like it or not. <laughs> that's true. And that's why I like Kevin Smith. That's true. Let's see. The first real memory I have of watching a horror movie was uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, probably Dream Warriors was the first horror movie I ever saw. So if you're going to see a horror movie for the first time, I can't think of a better introduction. But I was like deathly terrified of Freddy as a kid, as I'm sure most 80s kids were. But uh, my mom and my aunt, they were once living in this house and they had this giant like door poster from Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. And why you do that to a four or five year old, I don't know. But I could not walk <laughs> to that end of the house without just like freaking out. So, and then uh, of course I have some great memories of being a kid and watching like Sleepaway Camp. Friday the 13th Part 2 was the first one I ever saw those. Oh man, the list goes on and on. But yeah, my love of horror started so damn early, but it wasn't just horror. I have a love of film in general. So, and that's, that'll segue into our second question for today. But, uh, that's really, there's really not too much else. Like I said, if you guys want to get more specific or whatever, feel free to email us with your questions. We'll, we'll give you the link to those at the end of the episode. But, uh, in the meantime, we've got three questions sitting here from our kiddos. And I guess we'll start with our oldest, Aiden. He is, he has asked us what inspired us to start a podcast. Travis, you want to take this? Not really. (laughs) Okay. Um, I don't know. Seemed like a good idea at the time. (laughs) (laughs) What inspired us to do a podcast? That's tough. I don't know. I mean, how many, we've spent a lot of time just driving around or even when we're going from point A to point B, bullshitting about movies and music and debating this stuff just between the two of us. So Yeah, like we'd have those those big existential questions. Who would win in a fight, you know, Terminator or <laughs> Predator, you know? Who's better, Megadeth <laughs> or Metallica? Exactly. So that, that would be my answer, I guess, is that we've spent the better half of our 20 years together just basically having these bullshit conversations because we're best friends and that's what you do with your friends you bullshit so that yeah that's a, that's a pretty big one and you started well you give some credit to the folks over at pod mortem oh yeah because you started listening to them and when i heard it i was like fuck we do that yeah we do that it, but we're in the car <laughs> when we do that so obviously why we, not record it <laughs> obviously we want you guys to listen to us but yeah credit where credit's due we wouldn't be doing this without pod mortem those guys are fucking amazing if you haven't already subscribed to them please do uh they they showed us that you don't have to be prim and proper when making a podcast you don't it doesn't have to be like watching paint dry you know we've laughed we've talked back to our our uh radios with them you know they're they're great friends and yeah, they honestly made us feel like this was something we could do. And you don't have to do a 20-minute ad drop in the middle of your episode exactly. like Dead Meat does. Exactly. Sorry, Dead Meat. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> anyway, so that was a that was pretty, that was pretty short. Yeah, it was a pretty that was simple. pretty easy. 
Yeah, which is Why? Fine. Because we can. <laughs> which is fine because our second question is what's going to arguably take the most time. So our second child, London, our middle child, she has asked us what each of our top 10 favorite movies are. She says of every genre, not just limited to horror. So who do you want to start? I don't know, but I really thought we were going to knock that down to like top five. <laughs> Like top 10 is... If it was top five, this we would not be able to fill enough time with that. I don't know that I can talk about all 10 of mine. Well, you know, cover the ones you so want I'll go, to. I'll go first, I guess. So <laughs> Because some of these, I may not have anything to say about them other than that I like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because I like it. So in no particular order, Shaun of the Dead... And that, it's, like, it's hilarious. Like, it's hilarious. I, I like Simon Pegg and Nick Frost bouncing off of each other. Oh, yeah. I don't know about the camera work. I've never watched that movie with the attitude that I'm going to do some homework on this movie and really pay attention to it. We may have to at some it's point. It's funny. And yeah. that's the big thing. It is completely irreverent to the zombie <laughs> genre. And I love that. And it was just different. It was like, it was... It, that felt like it was the first of its kind. Almost. It was the first non-Romero zombie movie that I saw, I think. Yeah. Or a Romero knockoff. And which uh, most zombie movies, that's what they are. They're either Romero zombies or it's knockoff Romero zombies. Yeah. And the and, British sense of humor is completely different, obviously, to American humor. And and it really works. Yeah. I like the interaction between those two. Now, having said that, there's what is it? The three flavors, Cornetto. The or Cornetto whatever. trilogy. Yeah. It's the only one of those I like. I would love to like uh, Hot Fuzz. I just can't. I fall asleep within the first 10 minutes or so. I don't remember at World's End being anything to oh, write home about. I've only seen it one time. But yeah, we've only but seen it once. This so. Shaun of the Dead stands out. Yeah. I don't know. I just like it. And it's got some good, some decent kills in it. It's I'm not going to talk about the, the effects or anything like that. But when they, they're throwing records at a zombie. <laughs> it's <laughs> the just, second album I ever bought. <laughs> I know. It's pretty great. <laughs> the Batman soundtrack. <laughs> to be fair, though, that's Prince. So how much can you argue? <laughs> right. Um, the next one, I guess, is going to be Rainbow First Blood. That's just a awesome Such movie. a fucking good movie. It's just a classic movie. I, I don't know what to say about it. Well, it's a great movie. I'll, I'll elaborate <laughs> a little bit for you then, okay? How's that? Okay. Okay, because... Don't Ram- say the soundtrack, because none, none of Stallone's movie soundtracks <laughs> in the 80s were good. So. Like, he got his brother to sing them all or some shit like that. And thank God for giving work you know what? to family, but... The, the Rocky Four soundtrack is fire, and I don't care what you say. Did you just call it fire? I did. Oh, you're getting cut off of social media. <laughs> you're losing your ability to speak English. So, I will say that as far as action movies go, First Blood told a story that you could really sympathize with. This is not something... The, the treatment of John Rambo was not something that was unheard of. This was a very real thing that happened to a lot of veterans. Um, well, the first 20 minutes of that movie. Anyway. Yes, but he also gives that really heartbreaking monologue at the end of the movie, too. And it's things that we, as a society, don't really think about. I'm not... I, I'm, I'm a pacifist by nature, so I'm not, you know, a warmonger or supporter of much. But um, it is still really sad that, you know, when you see people that put their lives on the line and all they get for their trouble is a bunch of people calling them baby killers. So it is really, really sad. Historically, we, after World War II, we did not treat our veterans well. Yeah. And I remember talking to my brother about that. And he said, you know, it's shitty when you get off that airplane from Iraq and nobody's there. He's like, they don't even care enough to show up to spit on you. He's like, you got, you get home and nobody cares at all. And he said, that just sucks. Yeah. But apart from that, apart from its social commentary, God, John Rambo is such a fucking badass. Like (laughs) one single man takes out this whole police squad and state police like it's 
He's Green Beret. He's going to fuck you up. It's fucking amazing. But I think part of the reason I like that movie is I like the story that it tells, but you care about Rambo. Yes. I think that's it. And, yes. and I've talked about that in several several of our movie reviews, is that if you can't give me a character I care about, then I'm not going to care about your movie. Right. You know what I mean? Give me somebody to get behind. Somebody to root for. If it's in the case of a Friday the 13th, give me somebody that I can root for to die. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I can't wait for him to kill that guy. Yeah, and I mean... Give me something to look forward to. And in this one, you really feel for what John Rambo goes through. Yeah, and as much as you hate Brian Dennehy's character, he still made a really good villain. Like, you believed him as a villain. I know, and I kept waiting for him to die. <laughs> yeah. See, it was a twofer. I got to really care about what happened to John Rambo, and I got to really look forward to Brian Dennehy dying. Yeah. So, guys, if I could have done a top 20 list, First Blood would have also made my list easily. It should have made your top 10. <laughs> it, it pained me not to put Bloodsport on my list, okay? <laughs> Okay, but you should have put Rambo on your on your list. <laughs> I'm sorry. Even I like what I like, yo. <laughs> even if you'd have picked First Blood Part 2, no. I'd have been okay. You can't no. put 3 on there. Don't ever put 3 on no. there. No. <laughs> Not even Part 2. But I'm sorry. <laughs> so, I decided I'm special, so I picked 11 movies instead of 10. <laughs> in a tie for third place, well, these are not in order. Boondock Saints, 1 and 2. I love them both. I think uh, they're hilarious. And they're it's the so same good. thing. It's two characters you care about, right? And in the first one, you just, I don't know. The way those two characters interact with one another, you believe that they're brothers. Well, you have a little brother, so... Yeah. The reason they go do the things they do, you agree with why they're doing it? I don't know. They're they're anti-heroes. They're Irish Batman (laughs) or whatever. (laughs) And you want them to win. You do, even though you understand that what they're doing is illegal. And then you've got your supporting cast in there is really good. Oh, hell yeah. Rocco. Rocco might be the funniest. And Willem Dafoe is amazing. Willem Dafoe is good good yeah he's willem to friend willem yeah he's willem to friend in this not one willem to foe in this movie <laughs> but and the there's a lot of great one-liners in this too there is it, it, there's more of them i think in the second one romeo's crying <laughs> but the second one uh introduces uh eunice bloom is no. that what you're thinking of i was like don't oh, you dare no, i'm thinking about <laughs> eunice bloom now <laughs> i'm thinking about her now shut up what well, julie benz no, not her. She is in it, and she does a good job as uh, no. Willem, Willem Dafoe's protege, but yeah. Clifton Collins. Oh, yes. No, yes. Romeo. <laughs> guys Clifton, Clifton guys, Collins is he's just great. Hilarious. He's great in everything. You, he sells the movie in the first, what, 10 minutes? Yeah, yeah. Watch If you've never seen it before and you don't know if you're going to like it, watch the first 10 minutes of the movie. When you see him fighting on that ship, you're going to be like, i got to finish this movie. Yeah, he's great. It's hilarious. The second one, I feel like, is more of a comedy yeah, than the first sure. one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm drawing a blank on the, the character's name. Which one? The, the brothers. I Connor? <laughs> Connor and Sean, right? No, they're real names. Oh, <laughs> Sean Patrick Flannery, Sean Patrick Flannery and Norman Reedus. Norman Duh. Reedus. Okay. Norman Reedus. You gotta ignore Sean Patrick Flannery's plastic surgery <laughs> that he got between the first one and the second one. He he was yeah. He in the first little, one, he was something to write home yeah, about. In the second but, one, he's got a lot of fillers or something. Yeah, he definitely looked a different. But and I don't hilarious. think it's just aging. Um, fourth one, or my my next one's gonna be Predator because of Jesse Ventura. We've already done a review on that one. Everybody probably knows why I like it. Uh, Tombstone. I like Tombstone because it's got Kurt Russell in it. Kurt Russell is is he he plays Wyatt Earp very very well. He's he's a character that you care about you want to see him win you want to know what happens 
Kurt Russell's just God. Got, and then you've got uh, a really, really awesome performance by Val Kilmer. Oh my God! Yeah. And sadly, his career was cut short because he, I think, he was a phenomenal actor. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's just. I, they've. I've been keeping up with his progress because if if you're not in the know, he ended up getting throat cancer. Um, but here recently, they were able with some great technology able to give him his voice back. So it's been really interesting to watch. There's a documentary on um, Amazon Prime right now called Val, basically about his entire career. So I actually learned a lot about him and then having to go through his cancer with him was was tough to watch. So I'm glad he seems to be pulling through and starting to live his life again. Yeah, and it's... Because he is amazing. What, what makes it this really sad for me is that I think at the time when he did that movie, really, he could have been right up there in, in, in terms of your top tier, I guess you'd call them male actors mm-hmm. of the time. Mm-hmm. Like your... your uh, Tom Cruise's and Brad Pitt's because mm-hmm. I think they're about the same age or he's kind of in that range with them and he could have been every bit as big as them if if he hadn't gotten cancer so it's a, it's a really sad deal but Tombstone's a fantastic movie Thor Ragnarok and I know it's there's pe- a lot of people love it obviously but I know it's gotten some grief because they thought it was too heavy on the comedy but and there's MCU haters out there which ugh I don't care about those MCU like, haters <laughs> like you don't like joy do they're, you they're not <laughs> They're not even on the radar for me. I don't care what they think. But pretty much anything that Taika Waititi oh, yeah. writes is going to be hilarious. And yeah, comedy is really kind of my thing anyway. And that's the reason I probably like it the best. I'm not taking anything away from any of the other movies at the MCU. But that one's probably my favorite. Step Brothers. It's uh, Will Ferrell and... John C. Riley. What the hell? John C. Riley. <laughs> so, and th- I would almost believe those two really are Step Brothers. <laughs> That's got to be like, oh my God. And that goes with my next movie is Talladega Nights. Watching those two guys together is comedy gold. Yes. Yes, it's lowbrow humor, and I don't care. I the, the older I've gotten, the less I'm a fan of lowbrow brow humor. Low brown, low brown humor. <laughs> anyway, but this is one that I can completely forgive. Both of those movies, I can completely forgive because they were such a huge part of the beginning of our marriage and having kids and all that. That we, you know, when things were stressful, we'd put those on just just to laugh, and we would. And yeah. <laughs> fucking great those two work wonderful together yeah um i guess another one would be waiting with uh it's got ryan reynolds in it and of course it's got another huge supporting cast but it's another one that's just funny it's a bunch of lowbrow humor about a bunch of people working in a restaurant and the shenanigans that they get up to actually that's the name of the restaurant that's the name of the restaurant isn't it shenanigans i don't know or am I, I thinking about Office Space? Well, I was also thinking of um, fuck. What's Super Troopers? You know, it's a, if I hear if I hear one yeah. more person say shenanigans, which favorite restaurant? Shenanigans. Yeah, <laughs> but I think waiting's hilarious. I'm honestly surprised Although, Super Troopers didn't make your list. Waiting <laughs> will make you never ever ever want to send food back at a restaurant. Or go to eat at a restaurant. Period. Or go eat. Yeah, go eat at one. <laughs> But what's I'll tell you what's interesting about waiting. It's got Dane Cook in it. That's not interesting. I still like it, even though he's in it. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> the best part about this movie is that they put him in it and stuck him so far in the background that he couldn't step up and ruin the movie for everybody else. I don't like Dane Cook. Yeah, I also didn't like that kid. He used to be pretty big there for a hot minute. Andy Milanakis. You remember those? There was those two like quote thug characters that hung out in the back of the restaurant, and never wanted to do work. Oh yeah. Uh, Doing the it pink, was, it one was basically Jay and Silent Bob. Pretty much. But the early years, which they should make that movie. <laughs> well, I would say Jay and Silent Bob rip off, but 
Yeah. They they were annoying. I didn't like them. Yeah. But I don't know. Ryan Reynolds is just hilarious. And it's it's like Deadpool. It make it makes me kind of want to just see how Ryan Reynolds is when he's not in front of the camera because he's that guy in nearly every movie. And I don't, is it because it's one note? Is he a one note wonder or is that just who he is? So I have a question for everybody. Is it just in the male DNA for every guy to have a crush on Ryan Reynolds? Because <laughs> have you seen his abs in the Amityville Horror? <laughs> Every guy wants abs like that. Have you seen his abs in Blade Trinity? He's got like a 12-pack. <laughs> I can carry a 12-pack, but I don't have a 12-pack. I 12 mean, no pack. no girl is going to dispute Ryan Reynolds being attractive, but I have heard more guys say that they love him than any other woman. Hey, it's just because guys want to look like him. I'm like, serious. He looks good and he's funny. It's not fair. It ain't, it's not right. <laughs> and he's probably smart. That's just insult to injury. He's, he's good looking, he's famous, he's rich, and he's smart. Fuck that guy. But honey, he's Canadian. You know, I don't even care. <laughs> I'll forgive Canada for that. Anyway. Sorry, guys. That That's South Park joke. We don't have anything against Canada. It is. <laughs> um, and I guess my last movie is Old Boy. Now, this is Old Boy, the, the Korean version, not the one that Josh Brolin did. And it's nothing against the one that he did. It's No, Josh good, Brolin did a great job. But the original is better. And the reason I like Old Boy is, cause, is really because of the character development that your lead character goes through. Mm-hmm. You hate him in, at the beginning of the movie. You look at the, the lead character and you're like, what a piece of shit. Am I really going to have to spend an hour and a half with this guy? And by the end of that movie, you feel so bad for him. Mm-hmm. It's a complete 180 mm-hmm. in his character arc. You go from hating him. I don't say you love the guy by the end, but you feel so bad for him. Yeah. Because everything that he did in the beginning, by the end of the movie, you're like, okay, he deserves some punishment, but God, not that. Yeah. Did it Not re- that. Did the re- did the uh, the fu- the punishment really fit the crime? It, it didn't. I don't think it did. You'd have to watch the movie and make up your own mind. But it just I think it's well shot. The cinematography is great. The acting the action. is great. It's got some of the best damn action sequences in it ever. And it's not really an action movie. Well, it has action components. I think people do consider it an action movie. It's where people start to call it a horror movie that you get some uh, dialogue about that because uh, I will say that I don't consider it a horror movie. I know I've brought that up before, but God help me. The the last, the climax of that movie is fucked. It is. And, and that was the beginning sort of our exploration of J-horror. Yeah, and I but. will say that the one scene in particular, and if you've seen Old Boy, you know what I'm talking about. That shit actually gave me nightmares. And I'm not one to have nightmares very often, but uh, good God. It's, yeah. It's a lot. Well, there, I have a hard time classifying that movie. And I would say that it's not an action movie. It's it sure as hell not a comedy. Even it's though more it's of got, a thriller, I would say. Even though it has comedic elements. I mean, there's parts of it that are legitimately funny. Yeah. I would say it's a psychological thriller with some action components. I would, I would almost say it's a drama. Hmm. I don't almost. know. With comedy and horror elements and, and action elements to it. Yeah. Because honestly, you could take the horror pieces of it out mm-hmm. and, the, and without touching the story, take the horror components out, it's still good. Take mm-hmm. the action action scenes out, it's still good. Yeah. You know what I mean? You could remove all of those other things and you end up with a good dramatic story. Maybe with some psychological thriller type of stuff in it, but I don't know. It's really hard to put that one in a box yeah and for I, sure. I really like that movie and it's part of a trilogy also it's a the vengeance trilogy there's a sympathy for mr vengeance and, and, lady vengeance and lady vengeance you could probably skip those last two i would say lady vengeance is pretty good of the three it's the only other one i remembered right up there with old boy i mean not on the same level obviously but it was another one that i remember watching it and being like oh my god this is fucked up like yeah <clears throat> but not not equally as good but still good in its own right it, but yeah but they're not on the same level no 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 um same director was park chan Wu 
Yeah. Not on the same level as Old Boy, but they're still good. They're just not as good. Yeah. Which, speaking of which, Ichi the Killer is on Shutter right oh now. Oh my God. So if you want to explore J Horror, or is it K Horror? I, I get that one's Korean too, I think. Um, and you want to jump off in the deep end without your water wings? That's a. It's J. It's J. That's a good one to start with. Yeah. For Don't say it. Sake. It's has a fucked up shit in it. Don't say I it have been. You. I have been trying to push this off to our friend Travis over at Podmortem. Like, dude, like you got to get on this fucking movie because it's such a trip. You watch it and it's over and you're glad it's over. Yeah. Like, what the hell did I just Takashi watch? Mike, I don't know that he knows Ooh. how to make anything but fucked up movies. Man, it's <laughs> it's rough. But it is on Shudder right now if you got Shudder. <laughs> and yeah, if you're looking to, to go that direction, that one will get you indoctrinated very, very quickly. <laughs> it is not on my list though. And if it's you, not on my list either. <laughs> if you've ever seen it, you know why. And if you haven't seen it, Go watch it, and then you'll know why it's not on my list. Yeah, we we could spend we could probably spend a long time just talking about that genre because you know another one that gets brought up a lot is Tetsuo the Iron Man, and that's another one that's like fucking nightmare fuel. I don't like, even know how I don't even know how we would do a review on that. One. <laughs> you couldn't you so, couldn't do a review on that. Last thing about old old boy is if you watch it, watch the watch the Korean version first before you watch the Josh Brolin version because the story is different in a few places. Uh huh. Watch the original first. Watch it with English subtitles with the original Korean audio. Yeah. Because they change some of the, the dialogue a little bit mm-hmm. if you watch the dub. Don't watch the dub. Use your subtitles. Read words. Yeah. Reading words is good. Try it. And in funny, uh, the Spike Lee version, it's almost like uh, getting an MCU reunion too because you've got, of course, you got Thanos. You've got Wanda Maximoff. You've got Nick Fury. And you have, uh, what's her face? Antennas. Mantis. Mantis, Yeah. So that that's a little bit funny. It's like watch the movie and see how many MCU people you can find. <laughs> yeah, but you will not watch even that version. And it's still it's still a tough watch. It's even, it's still not easy. Yeah, even if you know the twist when you go into the American version, it's still not an easy movie to sit through. No, it's not like the American version of The Grudge. Yeah, at all. Or uh, what's the other one? The Eye that had Jessica you Alba in it. You are afraid of The Grudge. What are you talking about? The original, yes. <laughs> no, you're afraid of the other one too. Do I need to make the noise? No, don't make the noise. <laughs> There's something about The Grudge. That movie just creeps me out. I hate it. The Grudge and the I don't the like ring. the little boy. I don't like the noise he makes. Man. Cat noises should not come from and a kid's ring, mouth. That girl with the, like, the wet black hair hanging in her Samara. face. Samara. Yeah. Oh, man. Like when she does that weird movement. Twitchy. Yeah, I don't like yeah. that at all. But yeah, don't you probably can't expect us to ever cover those just because Travis is a big girl. You are on your own <laughs> if you do that one, which is crazy because you do think some of the other shit I've watched that that wouldn't bother me. But I think the paranormal stuff kind of gets to me, you know. See, I'm not a big fan of paranormal movies as a rule. They're just I don't know why I could just find that stuff kind of boring. Not either, but I think it's because they creep me out. <laughs> I think everybody's got something that kind of creeps them out. And for me, yeah. that's it. Like, yeah. I've, I've heard of people talking about how they can't watch Hostel and stuff like that. I get Hostel doesn't bother I, me. It does not bother me in the slightest. But um, it did the first time I saw even it. Even Saw, the Saw stuff, doesn't bother me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But for and instance. one of these days, we'll talk about why those movies are not good. But, <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll talk about why all the ones after the first one are not good. But to be fair, the first time I saw Hostel was in a movie theater in the dark and I was alone. And. Up until this point, torture porn was still very fucking new. So I'm sitting there like, oh my God. And the thing is, is if you go back now and watch it, they really don't show all that much. It's more implied than actually showing you what they're doing. And so that just boggles my mind. And 
saw, I'll never forget, we didn't go to the theater, but we rented it when it came out. And you and I, again, this was a new genre and I wouldn't even call, I wouldn't even lump Saw into the same category as torture porn. But I remember watching that the first time with you and that twist in the first movie, we were like, what the fuck? Mm. Like, yeah, I'm I'm actually surprised I didn't put Saw on my list. To that point though, in in Hostel, the first one at least, because I haven't seen the second one as much. Yeah. But in the first Hostel. Don't bother with part three. There's a third one? Yes. Don't bother. Um, In Eli Roth, he's got that series on Shudder. Was it In Search of Horror? The History of Horror. History of Horror. So good. They kind of touch on it a little bit. And I think he's actually maybe the one that talked about it. And I don't remember who he was discussing it with, Mick Garris or somebody like that. But that in horror, you don't have to show them everything just show them little bits and and their brain will fill in the rest did eli roth really say that because he's pretty balls to the wall i with think his it was gore. part of a conversation yeah but at you any sure rate, they weren't talking was, about halloween <laughs> at any rate it was brought up there well what i'm talking about is hostile is it the yeah. first time you watch it and then now you go back and watch it and you're kind of like waiting for this part and it happens but you're like i thought they showed it yeah and they don't but they don't show it no your brain put it in there yes and absolutely so he actually does do a pretty good job in that movie so it's not as it's it's bad don't get me wrong. It's it's still got some rough parts, but it's not as bad as I remembered it being the first time I would I saw say it. part two is the one that upped the ante on that. Oh, for sure. So. But I've seen action movies with more blood and guts in them than the first Hostile. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. They, they He did do a good job, consciously or not, of moving the camera away just in time to let your brain do its worst. Right. And this is what's happening next. And we'll have to save this maybe for next month's episode i guess talking about i mean speaking to eli roth directors who get a bad rap because i've got a lot to say on the subject (laughs) should we talk about horror directors that people put their name on it all the time and they go man it's so good it's so good and they forget that yeah they they did do a shit movie too yeah exactly because i know you and i talked about that once we're talking about john carpenter john carpenter do me wrong i like john carpenter's movies but let's be honest not every one of his not everything he touches turned to gold ghost of mars anyone you've got John Carpenter's Halloween. Fantastic. You got John Carpenter's Vampires. Not so much. (laughs) Right? I think that depends on who you talk to, but... I know, but what I'm saying is is that they're not... And like oh, I said before, in, in actually from us doing our whole Spooktober thing, I think Travis and I are just about turnt on John Carpenter because we both kind of had a meh attitude before. But going through this and watching the shittier Halloween versions, it gave us a whole new appreciation for just how fucking good the original is. Um, how how simple and effective it is in comparison to the others. And the, <laughs> but... Yeah, if I'm gonna talk about John Carpenter though, I'm not talking about Halloween. I'm 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 just not. It's it's automatically gonna be the thing. The thing, the thing, the thing. I will talk about that all day. And they live. I mean, he's done some other movies that I feel are better than Halloween. But yeah, we were having this conversation about, you know, some of these directors get placed on such a pedestal and it's like they've had some duds, guys, and then there's other guys who've had fantastic movies that people shit on just because it's in fashion to shit on. On them like one of one of my pet peeves is uh rob zombies lords lords of salem everybody wants to shit all over rob zombie because of what he did to the halloween franchise i have my own thoughts on that series as does travis but uh, there are there there are obvious influences right where you can see that yes maybe he took his love of texas chainsaw massacre too far why does every single movie have to be filled with these white trash low-life characters he has said time and time and time and time again that he comes and was raised from the era of 70s exploitation does nobody remember what those films were like i mean they weren't all heroes and saints guys 
guys. That being said, I felt like Lords of Salem was, it was in a complete league of its own as far as his characters. Cinematically, it's gorgeous. And and that was his own movie, right? It's fucking creepy. That's not a remake of something that didn't come from somebody else. No. It's kind of like House of a Thousand Corpses. Like, that's out of his head. No, House of a Thousand Corpses is definitely a big, huge homage to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, without the chainsaw. Um, but and I will I will say that in Lords of Salem you definitely see the style of Stanley Kubrick all over that, which is another one of his big inspirations. But to me that was a heartbreaking film as well as creepy and had some of the most beautiful things to look at. So you know your favorite director they turn into dud. Your most hated director they may have a gem in there. So it's like don't shit on everybody just because it's cool too. You know we're not talking about Nickelback here, okay? <laughs> So, with that being said, should I get yeah, into so my now list we're, now? We're, we're, I, you, you brought up the thing, and you brought up they live. I haven't. I have gotten to them yet. So do your you list. You had your turn. Let me have my. I turn. am. I'm trying to get you to stop <laughs> bitching about Rob Zombie and do I'm your sorry, list. I'm sorry. That's my hot topic button for this week. Without further ado, we will get into my top 10. And once again, these are in no particular order. And guys, we should have prefaced this with, we know that these are not Oscar contenders. Nobody's talking about fucking Citizen Kane here. These are just our favorite movies. Well, and to be fair, typically, if a movie's won an Oscar, I don't like it. It's not that I don't (laughs) like it. Well, really, it's not that I don't like it because it's won an Oscar. It's not like a pretentious hipster thing. Mm -hmm. It's that they... It's they usually give Oscars to boring fucking movies. I need some action. Not always, happening. not always, but most of the time, yes. I How many agree. Oscars did Titanic win? A bunch. It's a boring fucking movie. Don't ever say that in front of London. She might kill you. She can't hear us. She's in her room. But to be fair, how many did Lord of the Rings win? And that's a that's one of my favorite series ever. I totally agree. <laughs> totally agree. But uh, let's think about some more. Um, and to bring up Silence of the Lambs again, oh, it was that, the first horror movie to ever get an Oscar. Okay, but was the, the one had Brad Pitt and Benjamin Button. Didn't that win some Oscars? I don't know. It's a fucking boring movie. I don't watch the Oscars. You see what I mean? <laughs> so just because one's a movie's won an Oscar doesn't make it good. Yeah. I guess that's the thing. And I don't know that any of the ones on my list ever won anything. <laughs> other than my respect. <laughs> hey, our respect counts for something, okay? Hey, you know what? We pay the money to rent them, so there you go. They're making money off of us. But <laughs> All right, I'll go into mine now. Let's get on with your non-Oscar winners. Even though <laughs> Travis and I, our favorites tend to bleed together. We like some sort of the same things. Um, we like some of the same actors. So uh, if there's some similarity in this list, sorry. Well, most of mine were comedies, and I think most of yours is horror. Yes. But there's a little bit of overlap. Yes. So mine are also in not in any particular order, but yes, same... I'm I'm going to start with Predator. Uh, we, we of course, talked about this in extensive detail in our very first episode. Okay, now I'm going to pause you for a second. You said this is not number one, but in that podcast, you said this is your favorite movie of all time. Yes, but I didn't put them... When I wrote this list, I didn't put them in any order. So it order. just happens to be but, first on your list. Yes, <laughs> but because <laughs> Predator is my favorite movie of all time, naturally it was the first one I thought of. So... <laughs> Funny sidebar here, Isabel, we were, when we were discussing this in the car, Isabel says, what's your favorite movie? And I said, Predator. And she says, I thought Pokey Pokey was your favorite movie. And for those not in the know, that is Hellraiser. And I tried to explain to her, okay, but that's my favorite horror movie. Predator's my favorite movie, period. And she's like, what's the difference? (laughs) 
I'm like, you got me there, kid. I don't know. <laughs> but there's a difference. At any rate, we did discuss in great detail why we love this movie so much. Like I said, from the actors, the the story, the one-liners, it's just a great fucking movie all around. And I will not bore you with those details again. Go back to episode one. Um, next is Robocop. And I've got to tell you, depending on what week you catch me, Robocop could be my number one. I fucking adore Robocop. Like, if you go into my bedroom, you will see all of my Robocop action figures, pops. I did have a, a quarter scale Ed 209 that I was super fucking proud of. And when we moved two years ago, somebody's ass broke it. And so I have been just heartbroken over that. But it's just, it's an amazing film. The satire, the violence, look great over-the-top violence for violence sake. Um, the commentary, again, the one-liners, and my god, just the character. Peter Weller's fucking awesome. He's just, he makes that movie so much. And not even just him, fucking, was it Red Foreman? What's his name? <laughs> uh, anyway. His name is Red. <laughs> Not to be confused. Kurtwood Smith, that's it. Not to be confused with Red from Pineapple Express. <laughs> Kurtwood, Kurtwood Smith, who played um, Clarence Boddicker, one of the great antagonists of all time. There are some moments in that movie that are fucking chilling. Like, the, the brutal execution of Alex Murphy is just, man, that still freaks me out to this day. Um, the incredible melting man at the end of the movie, still fucking terrifying. If you're going to watch Robocop, though, you got to watch the director's cut. Or you don't get all that awesome stuff. No shit. Yeah, I can't say enough good things about that movie. One of the greats. They don't They don't make movies like that anymore. You know what's funny is that you really like RoboCop. It's got like the funny commercials and the weird TV shows. And it's kind of like an ongoing thing, right? Sort of to illustrate the corporate the corporations have taken over America. Uh-huh. Right? OCP. Yeah. But you also love Starship Troopers. And they do the same shit you know, with their TV I'm so shocked neither of us put Starship Troopers on our list. Because we both really fucking love that movie too. I can't put it on my list because it's got Denise. <laughs> Richards in it. <laughs> Let's overlook Denise Richards for a minute. I can't see over her forehead. <laughs> you got fucking Casper Johnny Rico Dean Vandian, and you got Mr. Krabs. The movie's fucking epic. I know. I'm and Jake Busey. I'm surprised it didn't make our list. <laughs> I know. I am too. But I'm just saying there's a little, there's some similarities between the sort of the background noise in RoboCop and the background noise in Starship Troopers. Yeah. Which I've never read the book. I need to read the book. Yeah. And thanks to my aunt, who, again, she she had a great deal to do with my love of film and, and horror movies in general. But I remember, it always stands out to me that I cannot watch RoboCop without looking right at Peter Weller's lips and hearing her be like, oh, those lips, though. <laughs> I think about it every time and I'm like, you know, you're right. So... Because Peter Weller, not really a handsome man, sorry, but he makes that suit look good for yeah, sure. And, you, and when you want to get over that feeling, you put on uh, Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> or Dexter. The episodes of yeah, or Dexter when he was in those. <laughs> Moving on, The Fly which I am uh, referring to David Cronenberg's version. You're referring to uh, <laughs> Jeff Goldblum and no shirt on. That's okay, okay. To. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Jeff Goldblum is one of my many cinematic boyfriends. God almighty. We're going to have to review this movie at some point because there's a lot to be said 
about this movie. My son, this is actually, or our son, sorry. It's actually one of his favorite movies too. It has a lot to say about things that lovers go through when they love somebody so much and something traumatic or bad happens to them and having to live with them through it, through all the bad and the horrible. And then... I'd be remiss to say to not talk about the special effects. The The special effects in this movie are fucking everything. Who um, did the effects on the fly? Gotta put me on the fucking spot and I can't think of it right this minute. But um, I, I will just say that they're they're tremendous. The score is fucking tremendous. It's it's a hard movie for me to put on and not cry. I, I cry like literally every time I watch this movie and then go, let's watch it again. <laughs> So my, our daughter, our middle, or she's a uh, 13. She comes in, she sees you watching the fly. She goes, nope, <laughs> and goes back to another room. It's really gross. It's, it is really fucking gross. And we were, we were talking about this earlier today, that a lot of special effects that were really, really good in some of these earlier movies. And then we hear people who are picking them apart now. And they're talking about, well, you can see the makeup line or you can see the whatever. Well, you couldn't when it was at the drive-in 30 years ago. So or VHS. Shut, so shut the hell up. <laughs> The only reason you can see it is because you're watching it on a 4K TV. Right. 20 years ago on a normal tube TV, it scared the shit out of you. Right. And, and I will say... The fly is in that category as far as no, the effects go. No, All of those effects fucking hold up. Well, they, they hold up day. really well. Like, it's but... still... Like, some of it, I'm still like, how the fuck did they do that? It's just incredible. And it's, like I said, it's a really sad story. It's it's very captivating. God, I I could go on and on about this movie. So, I, I will say eventually we probably will cover it. Well, you've got a thing for body horror Anyway. I do. Body horror is probably my favorite that subgenre. There's a fair amount of body horror in Robocop. Yes. And the next one you're going to talk about yes. is all about it. And you're a huge <laughs> fan of Videodrome. Yes. Which has also got, I mean, that's, yes. that was pretty fucking disgusting. Actually. So, yes, I'm a huge fan of Clive Barker. I'm a huge fan of David Cronenberg, David Lynch, Takashi Miike. I do tend to lean more to the body horror genre. And then even to go as recently as watching the new Candyman, there was a fair amount of body horror in it too. Just a little bit. Which was an aspect that I was not going in there expecting to get. So that was... That was a surprise in the best possible way and very refreshing. So anyway, so speaking, <laughs> speaking of body horror, yeah. <laughs> the next movie on my list is The Thing. So I got two words for you about The Thing, okay? Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. Kurt motherfucking Russell. <laughs> I've got, I'm getting his beard now. I'm growing, yeah. I'm growing my nose. Why do you think I've stuck like it out this? with you this long? Because I have a good beard. <laughs> I'm going for Kurt Russell's beard. The man with the beard is the man you want to follow. <laughs> so I'm telling you, we got to watch Grizzly Adams. I hope you really like it. The life and times of Grizzly Adams. I'm just saying, you get to Amityville Horror and Ryan Reynolds is in a beard. You're like, okay, I'm listening to whatever the fuck he's got to say now because he's got a beard. <laughs> anyway... In my opinion, The Thing is a perfect movie. I cannot find any faults with this movie. And believe me, I have tried. It's one that now... Now, Texas doesn't get a lot of snow. But last year, we got some snow. And the first thing I said was, we gotta watch The Thing. Like, that's just... It's one of those... I don't know how to describe it. it there's the perfect amount of isolation and claustrophobia. It's an atmospheric movie. It is It is sure. such an atmospheric movie. And that they leverage the camera really well in that movie to sell it. There, there are so many moments of tension that it's it just becomes palpable. It's got... 
Okay, so another common thread in my list of top 10 is I'm an effects girl. I love me some practical effects. And this is another movie where you're like, how the hell did they do that? Like, this is just fucking amazing. Whose brain did this come from? Uh, John Carpenter, obviously. But oh my god, this is just, this movie is, is everything. And that's why it was really disappointing when they did the reboot slash sequel, or prequel, sorry, to this. And everything was in fucking CG. Like, they even built, like, they went ahead and did the practical effects, but they ultimately ended up deciding that CG was easier. I just don't... It was really disappointing. Well, we've seen a flip. There was a long time there when computers were super expensive and the practical effects were cheap by comparison. And so you have movies like Event Horizon that we just covered not too long ago, where they spent like some two-thirds of their budget on the, the, the CG shit that was mm-hmm. in that movie. And it just doesn't hold up well. Yeah. At all. Yeah. And But we've sort of crossed that threshold now where CGI is cheaper than practical effects. Mm-hmm. And so I think we may continue to see practical effects sort of take a back seat to computer-generated stuff. Yeah. Give, give me bladder effects. Give me squibs give me blood packs like some bendy ass knives i don't give a shit like that shit is always i mean hell even stop motion i will always take that shit over cg you're all alone there You're I on mean, that boat alone. CG, when done right, can be very effective. Again, uh, bringing up the MCU, they did some amazing shit in that series. They really did. But I don't want that in all of my movies, and I don't want it in my horror movies. Well, I think the argument can be made that it works in the MCU because it's about superheroes and people that fly, and so it doesn't stand out as much because there's so much CG going on on the screen. Mm-hmm. But when you take like a horror movie where it's set in, I'm using air quotes, you know, real life, <laughs> and you cut CGI in, it sticks out like a sore thumb whereas and it seems to be even worse on a 4k tv unless it was done really really well it's just in your face with it whereas i feel that they've got the technology now that if they were just willing to put forth the effort you could do practical effects that wouldn't show up at you know what i mean it wouldn't be as noticeable mm-hmm. on the hd tvs that we have now yeah. so i still think that practical effects have a huge place in horror yeah. Anyway, um, and the cast obviously is terrific. They had a great ensemble cast and they had Kurt Russell. It would be horrible for me to not also mention Keith David, who has done some of the most badass things ever in my lifetime. He's got a great voice. I mean, if you watch Spawn, you know what I mean. Uh, I'm talking about the HBO animated series, of course, not Michael Jai White. <laughs> John Leguizamo. Although, to be fair, I do have a soft spot for that movie. But that group, it's almost like Predator. That group of guys just worked so well together and worked great off of each other. It's it's an amazing film. But moving on to our next body horror. And like I said, if you ask me what's your favorite horror movie, you know, I've mentioned, (laughs) I've mentioned The Fly and The Thing. And yes, those would be in my top five any day of the week. But number one is always going to be Hellraiser. I get, (laughs) Travis is looking at me horribly, even though he knew, he knew what the answer was. He knew what the answer was. Uh, apart from body horror, I also have this, I also have this sick thing for dark love stories. The darker, the better, the twisted, the better. But I am a sucker for a love story, just not the conventional chick flick sense. I'm a huge, huge, huge Clive Barker fan. And this is about as twisted as a love story can get. And I can't tell you how grateful I am that you're not bringing home Hugh Grant movies. (laughs) Like, I'll take one of these any day over some Notting Hill bullshit. (laughs) 
But I I think I first saw Hellraiser when I was in high school, probably my junior or senior year. And at that point, my parents were getting divorced and my mom had moved the rest of my siblings out. So it was just me and my stepdad. And he was gone on the road a lot. So I had a lot of time just by myself. And so I watched some great fucking movies like Fight Club and American History X. And Hellraiser was one of my first picks. Because how do you not walk by that box and be like, what the fuck is that? So... <laughs> and then not long after Travis and I got together, um, because Travis and I are also avid, re- avid readers, um, I went and picked up The Hellbound Heart. I wanted to get that in Cabal, which Nightbreed is based off of, and couldn't find Cabal because it was out of, out of print at the time, but I did find The Hellbound Heart. They basically wrote it, like they knew they were gonna make the movie first, but they went ahead and wrote a novella just to get it out there. Equally as good. Such a great great story. And (laughs) there's the joke about all Hellraiser is, is what one woman will do for a good fuck. I don't necessarily look at it that way. Because yeah, you could look at it as they had this one tryst. But the thing is, she obviously, it meant something to her. And she loved him so much that she was willing to go to the ends of the earth and literally kill for this man that she loves. And it just doesn't get better than that. And then you throw the Cenobites into the mix and Doug Bradley is like, I, I can't praise him enough for that role. What he brought to it, it's staying power. And yes, there are varying degrees in this franchise, but that first one, it's fucking tried and true. The score, I mean, the effects, again, it's just an amazing fucking story. And I can talk about it forever. So anyway, next on the list, uh, and I'm sitting at number six here, guys, for those of you keeping record, um, is Candyman, the 92 version. And going to see the new film kind of reinvigorated my love for this original. It was one that I vaguely remember seeing as a little kid. And the only scene that I remember seeing when I was that little was the scene of the boy getting his genitals cut off in the bathroom. That's what you remember about that movie? That's what I remembered about that one because it was so fucked up. That that might be one of the lesser <laughs> fucked up things. In the movie. <laughs> right. But I'm saying that was the only scene that I saw when I was a little kid. And of course it stuck out. That's really the only really bloody scene in that movie. There's not uh... a lot of... Well, there's, there's, it's a pretty small count of really bloody stuff in that movie. Yeah. It's... it's... I was going to say Decapitated Dog, uh, The Murder of Bernadette. Those are pretty... And even... um what's his butt shit face at the end Burned of the movie it happened off screen yes but it was still fucking bloody as shit there was yeah. blood everywhere you were saying bloody so yeah trevor yeah trevor's death at the end yeah it's pretty it's pretty memorable but if you guys have been sticking with us we we gave that review a few episodes ago so i won't get into it too much but just i fucking love that movie so damn much changing gears <laughs> From one extreme to the other, I'm going to list uh, one of my favorite comedy movies, and that is Pineapple Express. I, I fucking adore that movie so much. Yes, it, it's regrettable now that in recent years we have found out that James Franco is not such a decent human being, which I don't want to say it ruins the movie for me. I just have to make the conscious effort to separate myself from that because he reminds me so much of my, one of my younger brothers, the the way he talks, the way he acts. <laughs> My brother used to be a little bit of a... I was going to say the way he smokes pot. <laughs> he doesn't anymore, but he used to. But that movie's so fucking funny. Like, I can't... It... <laughs> There's too many funny lines in that movie for me to count. Um, I love Seth Rogen. I've, I've, with the exception of The Green Hornet, I've pretty much liked everything Seth Rogen has done. It, it's... Yeah. If you've seen it, you know, guys. You know. I'm up in, up in here trying to get a motherfucking scholarship. Like... <laughs> 
<laughs> That's so great. And then for for Danny McBride to go and be further awesome making these Halloween films, like that guy's obviously great. I was re rewatching This Is the End this week with my daughter and probably shouldn't, but <laughs> But that comedy team, they just work so damn well together. See, Travis has Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, and I do love them. But I love me some Seth Rogen, James Franco, and Danny McBride. Like, that that mixture just works for me. Next on the list, and then again, going back to an extreme, whether or not you consider him to be horror or not, I think is up for debate. But my next favorite movie is Twin Peaks Firewalk With Me. Now, a few years ago... I had was trying to, I was, you know, I hit hit the TV slump or, or movie slump where I didn't know what the fuck else to watch next. What do I do with my life? You know, I probably finished Sons of Anarchy or Six Feet Under for the umpteenth time. So I wanted to try something new. So I was like, well, you know, Twin Peaks is supposed to be really popular. Why not give that a shot? Best decision I've ever made in my life. Okay. So from that point on, I have pretty much been obsessed with all of David Lynch's works. There's no explaining what he does. His narratives aren't... They're not straightforward where you can be like, this is exactly what happens. And everyone's interpretation is correct, incorrect, valid. It doesn't matter. Well, he said in in interviews before that whatever you think it is, sure, that's what it is. Yeah. And he doesn't give a shit what you think. And David Lynch, like, I've I've watched personal stuff with him. I've watched documentaries. The guy's just an amazing human being. His art is amazing. His music's amazing. He's got some of the best fucking hair on the planet. So Travis is like, oh yeah, it's another one of your old man boyfriends. You're damn right it is. (laughs) Like, I don't even care. It's like him and Tom Atkins. So... (laughs) But anyway, if you're a fan of the Twin Peaks series and you've not checked out the movie, try not to listen to what most people say because they will tell you, well, it's not the same as watching the TV show. And if you already know who killed Laura Palmer, what's the fucking point? It, I defy you not to watch that movie in... The point is you were never supposed to know who killed Laura Palmer. Right. Ever. Right. And yeah, you have that weird quirkiness element that is missing, but it's really, at its core, it's really a heartbreaking movie about uh, childhood abuse. And it's it's a tough watch, but it is still amazing. And if you're a Twin Peaks time, it's definitely worth your time. I would say it's a psychological horror. Yes. That's what I was going to say. A lot of people say that his movies aren't horror, but they have horror elements. Well, I think it's Lynch inflicting horror upon the watcher, trying to figure out what the hell it means. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but I would say all of his movies, if you start from a racer head on, all of them have a horror element in them. Like even Mulholland Drive, the guy behind Winkies. I mean, there's some freaky shit in his movies. Lost Highway, the, I don't even know what you call that character. The, the blank based creepy guy, you know, um, the one with the video camera that's pretty much stalking Bill Pullman throughout. He's like a tiny Dracula. Yeah. Almost. He looks like that. I think it is the actor from Beretta. Is it? Robert Blake. Yeah. That guy's fucking creepy. Like he's creepy as shit. Lynch, Lynch he's got a lot of, it's not overt horror, but there's a lot of like horror undertones. Yeah. In his stuff. Yeah. And he, it's almost like throughout his films, like he's gaslighting you. You're like, is this really crazy or is this, is this really happening or am I going crazy? Like what's, what's going on with me right now? <laughs> so, and there's a lot of images from Eraserhead that are just nightmare fuel. You will never look look at Cornish game hens the same way again. I promise. <laughs> There's parts of Lynch that we've been watching it and it changes speed so fast and changes setting so fast that I'm like, fuck, did I fall asleep? Did I miss something? Yeah. Like, <laughs> did I just like miss 20 minutes of the movie and that's why I don't know what the hell's going on? Yeah. 
And then you can completely switch gears and watch something like The Elephant Man, which is such a beautiful and sweet and heartbreaking film. I watched that like in the last few months for the first time. And I I had arguably been putting that one back because I knew it wasn't in the wheelhouse of his other films. But I'm sad that I did not pick that one up sooner. It was such a great movie. That's really one of the only straightforward films that he's done. No, he did a Disney movie called Straight Story about this guy that travels across the United States in a lawnmower which that may be one you want to get on. <laughs> yeah, shit, I'll watch that. But, but anyway. I mean, it, it's, that, he hasn't done a ton of movies that were based on somebody else's story. Yeah. And The Elephant Man wasn't his. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a one-off. Yeah. As far as Lynch is concerned. Because usually they're all his own original stories, right? Uh-huh. Stuff that he wrote. Yeah. So. Anyway, next on the list, and now I'm going to follow Travis's example here, and I've got a superhero movie on my list too. To be more specific, I have the MCU's Avengers Endgame. You didn't pick the Winter Soldier? <laughs> it was hard. It was hard, okay? I, I really, really love the Winter Soldier. <laughs> it's not hard. <laughs> I love the Winter Soldier so much, but ultimately I chose Endgame and mostly because I can still remember the feeling I got the first time I watched it. It's it's not, if, if you've been going with the MCU like we have, you've been there right from the beginning with Iron Man. And so you've gone this 10 years going through every movie, watching these characters grow, particularly Tony Stark. And I think this is why this ultimately won out because his character arc through those movies was really fucking good. And because you cried till the credits were over? <laughs> so, <laughs> so yes, I went in there and I laughed and I cheered. I fucking cried. I cried my eyes out starting at the beginning when Loki was killed. Or was that... Or did Loki get killed in uh, Infinity War? I think he got killed in Infinity War. Okay, that's... Sorry. But at any rate, when you stick with these... When you go with characters for so long, they you tend to... You feel like you know them. So by the time we get to the end of Tony Stark's arc, it was so damn sad. And, and Travis is looking at me like I'm a fucking nerd, but he was right there no, with me. No, Endgame's <laughs> got such a badass soundtrack, too. <laughs> got some of the best music i'm like like if you didn't cry when tony died you are lying <laughs> because iron man is pretty much travis's favorite like next to thor i would say but not fat thor I like <laughs> you thor. like fat thor i like ragnarok thor <laughs> you like fat thor too all right i like fat thor i'm starting to kind of look like fat thor <laughs> just let my hair grow are we all <laughs> Anyway, but yes, I cried massively and it was really hard for Winter Soldier not to be my pick if for the action alone. That movie has some of the most badass fight sequences ever and I, I'll probably get some hate for this. That was Bucky at his most badass. Yeah, he was cool when he was a good guy, but as a Winter Soldier, he was amazing. He kicked more ass as a bad guy. Yeah, he did. They kind of took him down a notch. It's yeah. like once he once he switched sides, then he could no longer be on par with Captain America. Exactly. So they dumbed him down a little bit. Yeah. But, okay, so we've gotten to the end of my list. We are now on 10, and I'm going to get laughed at tremendously. And Not by me. And I give no fucks. I don't care, guys. Laugh at me all you want. I don't care. <laughs> but my number 10 pick is Rocky Four. <laughs> where Sylvester Stallone, Rocky Balboa, single-handedly takes down communism. <laughs> I don't care. That's an inspirational movie. If like I the, can the change and alone, you can change. <laughs> I'm surprised. Like, if you were going to rank these, I think I feel like that would be number two. Like, if you were going to actually rank them, that's going to be at the top. No, not for me. No. But it's still in my top ten, and it's there for good reason. <laughs> it's, 
if you talk to people, and apart from the first Rocky, okay, because everybody knows the first Rocky is a beloved film. It's a good film. I think it did win an Oscar too. But everybody from that point will say, well, these are just dumb movies. They're, you know, sure. Okay, sure. But sometimes, and I mean, I will sit and I'll watch Midsummer or Hereditary and The Lighthouse and, and I'll like to have something that I can expand my mind with, you know, but sometimes I also like to put in something where I can turn my brain off to. And everybody loves an underdog, <laughs> you know, and, and he always is. Sometimes I want to watch Stallone on a bench doing fucking dragonflies, okay? Or whatever the fuck they're called. Those, those, uh, ab workouts where he's <laughs> like, damn, what they call those. I think it was dragonflies, something like that. At any rate, I want to see him fucking running up a mountain and grow a beard, grow, grow another epic beard. I love beards, guys. I'm sorry. Thank God you have one, right? <laughs> never gonna shave my face again <laughs> the fighting is amazing and it it is a movie that you you can really root for the underdog because you just knew after apollo creed was dead that ivan drago was gonna fucking take out rocky you just knew it well okay i didn't know it you knew they were gonna fight <laughs> yeah rocky can beat anybody i don't care unless you get to what is it rocky six and okay. he loses he can, to mason take, dixon <laughs> if he could take mr t he can take Ivan Drago. <laughs> exactly. And that's the other thing. Ivan Drago, so fucking cool. I love Dolph Lundgren. Like, Masters of the Universe could have been in my top 10, too. I'm sorry. I'm complicated. But... <laughs> <laughs> or I'm just a huge fucking nerd. But yeah, yeah, it's it's big, dumb, fun, but it's also inspirational. And I swear, in whatever 15th uh, montage you're watching, kind of makes you want to get get off your lazy ass and go do something, you know? But all the montages are good. <laughs> they're in all my good. Opinion. Yes, they're all good. But if you watch a Stallone movie, you're going to get a montage at some point. Although, to be fair, the, I do favor the Hearts on Fire montage just a little bit more. That's fair. But then again, like I said, abs. <laughs> Listen, you put hearts on fire on your workout playlist. Oh, I need to. You can. I need to. And you don't even have to feel bad about it. <laughs> Fuck those haters. <laughs> so, guys, we told you this would be, that particular question was going to be long, and it was. So, we're going to jump right into our third and final question, which is from our youngest baby, Isabel. She's seven, and she asked us what our favorite Stephen King adaptation was and why. I should have vetoed this question. So, the question should have been, what is your uh, what is your favorite Stephen King adapta- adaptation, and why is it the stand? It ought to be... <laughs> What's the least offensive Stephen King adaptation? <laughs> so, do you want to take this one first? I really don't. <laughs> I really don't. So, like I mentioned before, Travis and I are avid readers, and in particular, we are avid Stephen King readers. If you ever see my vehicle, I have multiple Stephen King stick decals on my Jeep. So let me just stop you right there. So have I'm a constant read, reader. Have That's, you, yeah. No, you're not. Have you read The Dark Tower from front to back? Yes, whole, I have. The whole book, the whole series. Yes, I have. When did you do that? I did that just this last year during the pandemic. The, I, I did the stand first. It. Yes, I did. I, okay, I you're, promise you're I did. allowed to be a constant reader then. Okay. If you haven't read the Dark Tower series, you're yes. not a constant reader. Yes, I did the stand and then I did it and then I did I took on the Dark Tower series as my third thing in. So I yeah. started I was pretty ambitious from jump, I guess, because I have been reading Stephen King since I was a teenager. I started with Carrie, obviously, and of course, great book. I don't know when you started particularly, but I had... I've been reading King off and on for years. Yeah, I I started with his short stories, though, like Hearts in Atlantis and stuff like that. I had a ridiculous 
enviable collection of Stephen King books that my aunt's a friend of an, a friend of my aunt's gave me because I would go to her house after school and I'd read them every day and she was like pick whatever books you want. She's like, I've read them all. So I don't know anybody in their right mind who would do that now. Who gives away King books? No kidding. I would never dream of giving away our books. Unless you want to give me your King book and then I'll take it. And um, when Travis and I started dating and I, we decided to move in together because they were in a bag and not a box, somebody took them as garbage. I cried, like legit cried, because I had so many of them, and there were probably first editions in there even. So it's it breaks my heart to this day. But I had never gotten into the Dark Tower series until you started reading it, and you were like super invested in those to the point that you threw the last book out your window. We, well, you remember... <laughs> Is it some of those were not in print anymore at the time? Yeah. And so we hit like flea markets and like those little, you know, those little nasty ass bookstores behind the square in Stephenville. <laughs> yeah. Like went and dig through those. Was it the Paper Lion? Yeah. Like digging through stacks and stacks and stacks, trying to find them all. Yeah. And some of them were tough. But yeah, the last one, the final book, I ended up having to buy it in hardback. And when I got to the end, I threw it out the window. I finished it while I was at lunch at work. <laughs> And I hated the ending so much. I should have listened. So I mean, if you, if you haven't read this, if you haven't read the last book of the Dark Tower, like you read up to a point, and then depending on which edition you've got, there's a, a few pages there where King's talking to you about, you know, this is where he, this is where he recommends that you stop reading. That he did write an ending, but you're probably not going to like it. You've yeah. been warned, basically. Yeah. And I could like I would read I read King books cover to cover every time. I read the foreword. I read it. I read the whole thing. Mm -hmm. If he wrote it, I read it. Mm -hmm. And I should have listened. <laughs> well, if Stephen King tells you go no further, then God damn it, go no further. To be fair, before you get to that point in the book, he does wrap it up nice. It is it is sad getting to the end of the book, and we're not going to spoil anything for you, obviously. But he left it in a way that if you had stopped reading right there, you could have been satisfied. If you keep reading, then you will not be happy with yourself. But alas, we are with Roland. Roland is our dude, so we got to keep fucking going. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't hate the ending. I know you did, but I actually thought it was brilliant. I was so mad. I was going to leave that hardback <laughs> lane in the parking lot, too. Oh, man, alive. And then I was like, shit. <laughs> It's a Stephen King hardback. I can't leave. And it how much did you pay for that damn thing? <laughs> you paid a lot. Thirty or forty bucks. Like when Hastings was still open. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the time, it was a ton of money for a book. Yeah. But it's illustrated and shit. It's an yeah. awesome book. Yeah. I'm glad we still have it. It's a shit ending, but it's an awesome book. <laughs> yeah. So my personal favorite adaptation is The Stand. I know that that's controversial. For some people but to be fair apart from the shining and misery there's not a lot of great adaptations of his work out there now wait a minute they they redid the stand yeah so which one are you talking about i am talking about was it 94 the original tv yes, miniseries 1994 1995 whichever it was with lieutenant dan with lieutenant dan um <laughs> That was one I remember watching it when it originally aired. Like you'd have it on a uh, ABC, and it was over the course of maybe a, maybe a week or a few days. I remember I remember when it the original adaptation came out. I wa also watched it on TV because you have. I remember being a little kid and seeing the scene where Stan kills himself in the bathtub and just being fucking traumatized. Well, that and Pennywise himself because Tim Curry was fucking scary. That was probably where my fear of clowns came from. <laughs> But um, no, I watched The Stand when I was like in fourth or fifth grade, something like that. And immediately, I it was like the first movie of that scale, that of that epicness that, you know, 
I had never seen anything like it until to that point. Sure, there are things in the novel that are left out, and this was a novel to start with that was much, much fucking longer than what it it's actually like a was. Thousand pages in paperback. It's a big ass book. And his editor made him cut it down, and probably for good reason because Stephen King's another one that just because he's the greatest writer of our generation doesn't mean he's never put out a dud. I have not read a bad King book, and I've read most of them. Uh, get among constant readers, we can kind of say, okay, this one's not so great. This one's not so good. Um, there's still a lot of his books we haven't covered or haven't read, but this was one that I didn't, I never, as big as it is, as long as it is, I never found myself getting bored. I was so invested in every character in this book that by the time I got to the end of it, I was, I was crying. It was a very, in a very, a very emotional book for me to read. Now, if you look at the dark, you look at the dark Tower series as a whole. Yes, by the time you've gone through all of this, it's like the fucking MCU again. By the time you've gone through this journey with these people, you get to the end. It's It hurts your heart almost. So it was the same thing with The Stand. If you've read it, you know what I mean. You get to the end and it's just, you're ugly crying. You can't help it. So, Travis. So, first thing I'll have to tell you that I feel like you're wrong. <laughs> so there are King books that are better than others, but I haven't read a bad King book. Uh-huh. But some of King's books are better than some of King's other books. Mm-hmm. I will tell you that when it comes to horror novels, uh, Dean Koontz was my gateway drug, sort of. And I had read a whole bunch of his early stuff, which some of it was gross. It was a shock just for shock. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Kind of like Slipknot. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, you know, it's shock just for the sake of the shock value. <laughs> doesn't add anything to the content it's just anyway i feel like he did some of that and then i and then i switched over Sterling king and i was like holy shit this is what a horror novel is supposed to be like yeah nothing is dean coons he still writes some good stuff but yeah there's a difference still there's, you can tell where he's like the great value stephen king. <laughs> yes there you go that's perfect <laughs> I will tell you this, Kuhn's books have gotten better as he's gotten older. His early stuff was all about shock value. His later books are much better written. Well, so, you really liked the Odd Thomas series. I did really like the Odd Thomas series a lot. And I, I don't know when he started writing those or whatever, but I've read a lot of King and I've watched probably every adaptation movie or TV show that's been based on his stuff, except for Under the Dome. But I think it's because I'd already watched Salem's Lot and uh, the Langoliers and all that other stuff. And they always fucked it up. So I just skipped it. Maybe they did Under the Dome really well. I don't know. It, From what I've popular. heard, not so much. I think it was popular, but I don't know if it was popular with people who'd read the book. So I read the book, didn't watch the show. A lot of people are going to say The Stand, and they're going to say, or the, the Shining. The Shining, yeah. And they're going to say it talking about Jack Nicholson, mm-hmm. because, but I think they're saying it more because Stanley Kubrick did it than because Jack Nicholson was in it, and more than it was a, a Stephen King book, because that does not follow his book. It's a good Kubrick movie, but it's not a good Stephen King adaptation. Mm-hmm. I wish I could say The Dark Tower, except other than the name that's and some of the characters, that's about the only thing it shares with his books. Right. I wish it was better. That needed to be a Lord of the Rings <sighs> six-part deal in the... order to cover it all. I don't have a problem with Idris Elba yeah, I was, being I was about to the say... title character. I don't have a problem with that at all. Hell, I don't necessarily have a problem with Matthew McConaughey being the man in black. I actually thought he was pretty good man in black. pretty good. Yeah. I kept waiting for him to turn around and go, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> but, oh, oh, oh. Uh, yeah. Where's your metal leg? <laughs> but... I feel like they did a good job, and Idris Elba does a good job of being like a an authoritarian type figure, right? Kind of like Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne does a really good job of being an authoritarian character, and so I, I could buy him as that, even though in the book it describes him as more of like the the hang 'em high Clint Eastwood yeah, type. Yeah, yeah. Specifically, I think he 
drew that character from the Sergio Leone spaghetti westerns. But anyway. He was definitely modeled after Clint Eastwood. It's just a shit movie. And it's got nothing to do with the actors in it. It's just poorly written. And it was somebody that didn't have enough love for the source material. They were just trying to make a quick buck and bank on the name. Yeah. And I mean, hell, we went and watched it. And I like was ready to drive to the writer's house. <laughs> we were so excited. Like, again, we've had numerous discussions about this. We had no problem with Idris Elba. It, is it Roland? No, not so much. But we both love Idris Elba enough that we were willing to give him a shot. Well, I was okay with it. Because you know, if you read the, the Black House series that he wrote as, was it Bachman and, and Straub? Uh-huh. There's an African-American gunslinger in there. So it's totally okay. Yeah. Like, it fits within the world that he created. Yeah. And that's not, that is not even close to being the issue. The issue is, is it's not, other than sort of the basic overview of the world that he created, it's got shit all to do yeah. with the way that book's supposed to be. And for that be. matter, even Jake was okay. Like, there was no problem with the boy who was portraying Jake. It was just the story. The story was crap. Yeah. Now, but, we're not asking, you know, for them to go out and do it Harry Potter style and make seven individual movies. That's exactly movies. what I want them to do. Do but it if, right. if you're going to condense it, at least put the major things in there that if you're going to see a Dark Tower series, you know, give us some fucking lobstrosities. It, that, That's all I'm saying. By the time you make it to the end of the series, you get to the end of the last book and you, you've you covered probably 2,000 pages. Yeah. 3,000 pages. You're not going to get that into less than three movies. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I would love to see an adaptation of Wizard and Glass. That was a book I read for the first time, and I was like, eh, I care about what's going on with Roland now. I don't care about what happened in his past. But upon reread, discovered it's actually my favorite book in the series. Yeah. I loved that backstory. But... Back to the movie part, you know, Salem's Lot's okay. The Stand, you know, because they redid The Stand, or not The Stand, they didn't redo The Stand, but they yeah. redid The Shining, mm-hmm. um, had Stephen Weber in it. Yeah. And it's a whole lot closer to the book, mm-hmm. but it's not good. Stephen King actually gave um, that one his seal of approval. He did, but that doesn't mean that the acting is where it needs to be. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that any of the rest of it's where it needs no, to be. No, I didn't, I've never they liked Stephen his, Weber, even when he was in Wings. <laughs> they followed his story more closely in that one, for sure. Yeah. More accurate to the book, but everything else was a miss for me. So I'm going to have to go with it and I'm going to have to go with the new one. Not necessarily because it follows his book more closely, but I think... Mm, yeah, there's still some stuff probably with good reason for being that was left out. <laughs> yes. Well, there's some stuff that even now you couldn't show it on film. Right. It would have gotten an X rating. Yeah. And 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 I'm I'm okay with them not showing that stuff. Yeah. But I know the the original the Tim Curry is uh I love that it's, it's that's their jam, right? It was the first one and so that's their thing. I found that Skarsgård made a much scarier Pennywise than Tim Curry did, even though Tim Curry gave me nightmares when I was a little kid. Because my parents actually watched that when it was on TV. I am shocked. They watched The Stand, too. <laughs> well, that um, one doesn't shock me quite so well, much. Well, The Stand's got some religious overtones. Yes. And so that's the reason they watched it. But they did watch it. But the TV version, I think they leave out quite a bit. Yes. They, then, they still do. Like, now, if you watch it and you watch the whole thing, not on, you know, network television, you get to see a little more, I think. But, yeah. They still left out quite a bit, but it's another one that it's a huge fucking book, so they weren't going to be able to put everything right. Right. There. So that and with Tim Curry, he's either a transvestite or he's the hotel concierge in Home Alone. <laughs> I can't see him any other way than one of those two things. He's he's a, he's the sweet transvestite from Transylvania, <laughs> singing, dancing, and making Frankenstein or whatever. <laughs> yeah. For those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, it's Rocky Horror Picture Show. I'm sure they know. If you haven't seen it, stop being a heathen and go watch it. <laughs> but I just can't separate those two things in my mind. <laughs> There was but a meme Bill, that was going Bill around. Bill Skarsgård's fucking scary in it. There was a meme going around that said, you can tell a lot by a man from which Tim Curry movie he brings up first. <laughs> okay. So I brought up Rocky. Well, actually, technically, I brought up It first. 
true. <laughs> and I can't watch it because of Rocky Horror Picture Show. Here, if you haven't seen that one, though, it's a good watch. Like, it's a fun movie to watch. Yeah. Even if you, it's Tim Curry and drag. If but we were asking London what her top movies, 10 movies were, she would... Uh, that'd be one of them. Rocky Horror would be on that list, yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. There's... I, I'd say it. Yeah, I'm gonna say it. I think that the, they pulled what one or two of the Stranger Things kids out of it, and I just think, one. And I think that they they do a good job, which I like the kids from Stranger Things. They yeah. interact really well. Uh-huh. But that's gonna be my one. But he's got so many other stories, like the Long Walk. I know you've never read that one, mm-hmm. but that would I make, need to. That would make, and it wouldn't be a horror movie necessarily. If, if you would call it that, it'd be a psychological horror movie. But it would be a straight up tearjerker by the time you get to the end of it. Yeah, it, a, go it, ahead. There, he's got a lot of he's got a lot of books that would make fantastic movies. But you're going to have to have somebody that respects the source material and just like a football coach would tell you, stop thinking, just run the play. He already wrote it. Just do it. Yes. You don't need to improve on it. You don't need to change it. If you're going to do that shit, have some respect and call the man first before you fuck it up Yeah. and say, hey, this is going to be hard to pull off on film. What do we need to do here? What would you like? What direction do you want us to see us go? Well, what was it? Uh, the one where they, they actually consulted, who is it? Clive Barker. It was a candy mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To make sure that everything that they were going to do was going to fit. And I feel like they would need to do the same thing. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't feel like they've given us a really good Stephen King novel adaptation but his 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 novels have got so much in them yeah that I can see why it'd be hard to make a movie out of them I do want to give a shout out though to his uh oh, what do you call a pseudonym or Richard Bachman <laughs> yes yeah that's his, his, his I have writer. I have to say that I have a favorite adaptation of Richard Bachman and that is the running man <laughs> I've never read that book so, from what I understand, the movie strays way from the source material. I've not read The Running Man either, but I will watch The Running Man all damn day. Now, I've read <laughs> I've read a lot of Stephen King's books. I have not read very many of the Bachman books. Yeah. So, I don't know. Can I yeah, just say it? I Can I just say it? Because if I don't quote it, I'm going to feel bad. Just say it. I hope you leave enough room for my fist because I'm going to ram it into your stomach and break your goddamn spine. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Well, that does it, really. How, how'd you feel questions. about our first time? Honestly, I feel like this was a whole lot more fun than <laughs> was some pretty of the damn movies fun. that we've done. <laughs> it was pretty damn fun. I, I, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed the hell out of this. It was definitely a hell of a lot more fun than recording Halloween 5. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> so, guys... At the end of the video, we will give you our links to our social media. But in the meantime, please use those. I said, we'll tell you where to find us, but please use those. Give us your own questions. Like, unless it's too damn personal, you know, we're pretty much willing to answer anything you could throw at us. So yeah, we're here. Give us your questions. Give us your suggestions. We'll pretty much cover anything within reason. So, But I guess we're going to say goodbye and we'll see you next week for another episode. Probably part of our Spooktober, which I'm get, I think is, would be at this point, Halloween H2O? Maybe. No, no, no. Uh, Curse of we're Michael gonna Myers. We're going to do six. Yeah, Curse of Michael Myers. That's and what's we're, next. We're not going to do the producer's cut, right? No, we're, we're not. We're doing the, the good one. Yes. Well, <laughs> well neither the of one. them are good. <laughs> the better of the two. <laughs> Depends on who you ask. There's a lot of people that prefer that producer's cut. You know the cool thing about me? I don't ask other people. I have my own opinions. <laughs> And I think the producer's cut sucks. Uh, you'll just have to stay tuned and see where we land on this, guys. I'll try not to be too offensive when we part six. Although I do love Paul Rudd. So we I, love I Paul Rudd. Bad. Yeah. And if you've never seen This Is 40, you need to watch that one. <laughs> what does that do? The Price of Eggs? Just Paul Rudd? Just Paul Rudd's in it. <laughs> it's awesome. 60% of the time, it he works, works every, every time. time. <laughs> 
Take care, guys. Bye. <laughs> well, that's just what we call pillow talk, baby. <laughs>